Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Starr. And this is Storymakers Show. We are coming to you this morning from this morning, from morning. (laughs) Which is why we sound far away and confused. And a little tired. (laughs) But, hello. Good day. Today, we are going to talk about the topic of the camp I just finished teaching, emotion. That seems pretty broad. In writing. Is that helpful? Does that narrow it at all? I don't think so. In writing. Well, we'll 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 discuss. But first, what are you working on? Uh, I am continuing to work on some ideas for the short that I mentioned last time. And also I am kind of thinking about, you know, how do I get practice in? So that's the other thing I'm sort of working on. Looking at my life, which, you know, a lot of people, oh, deep work. Deep work sounds awesome. Sounds so good. It's like, here's your corner of the living room surrounded by people jammed into a space. Deep work. Yes. Right now. Do it. <laughs> so um, anyway, you know, thinking about that intersection of deep work, practice, and uh, our life. <laughs> All right. You go it's ahead. It's like a Venn diagram with unoverlapping circles. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I finished teaching camp, and so I'm mostly just kind of recovering, you know, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like incredible and immersive, but it's like 12-hour days of immersion in create, creative community. Mm-hmm. And um, and so now I'm like kind of just going, ah. Well, welcome back to being a... Person of a non-camp world. <laughs> so, well, let's launch right into it then. So, you know, I got to be privy to your process of how you figure out what the heck you're even going to do around what I perceive to be a very broad topic. Well, yeah, it even was within a very the, broad yeah, topic. I mean, even when you're like, well, no, it's emotion in writing. Yeah, <laughs> that narrows it down. So, I actually would love to sort of start on how did you isolate what you meant when you talk about this idea of emotion well, and writing. And let me say this about, about the broadness of it. And I feel like we might've touched base on this in a, you know, in passing in a previous podcast, but what I realized is that emotion is, um, like the water we're swimming in, right? Mm-hmm. So that whole idea that like fish don't know they're in water. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a way in which, um, emotion is sort of like that, like the, 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 the necessity of emotion, the, the kind of bedrock way in which emotion underlies every element of craft and story, it's easy for it to become invisible, especially for somebody who might over-intellectualize things. Who could that be? <laughs> I mean, just, what I'm kind just of person a, does a, an that? An imagined, imagined person mm-hmm. who might over-intellectualize things might not recognize that emotion is really where it all starts and ends. Okay, so like with regard to camp, part of what mm-hmm. you wanted to do is kind of bring that piece to it. Yeah. Um, Look at, and that was, that's not a lens that I typically use, right? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I feel like maybe we talked about this already, but like, you know, you and I certainly have, but um, that I'll think, you know, what is a character doing and what are they thinking? Mm-hmm. But I often, and I actually, I mean, I know that I'm like in a method acting sort of way. I'm then trying to sort of be in the grip of whatever that emotion is. Mm. But, um, but to kind of consciously really think about what's the emotion, what's the emotional arc of a scene, mm-hmm. and the emotional arc of a story, 
and the way that emotion drives action, right? So these are the things. And, and what happened was Ellen and I divided it up as we try to do um, or increasingly. And, and, and she took sort of the on-the-page little moments um, and I took a, the kind of the structure, which is, which is not how we usually teach, right? She mm-hmm. tends to be more big picture and I tend to be more small craft moments on the page. It was really good. It was really, it was really exciting for me. So let's start with, so number one, so the number one takeaway for you was just the, uh, the fact that emotion is the pervasive thing. It's the thing we communicate. It's the thing, honestly, that probably drives readers to read. Right. Absolutely. And that idea of like, how do I want to feel? So like sometimes you want a comic book, you know, comedy, like mm-hmm. comedic, funny book. And sometimes you want uh, something adventurous and gripping. And sometimes you want something meditative. Right. So that's all mood and emotion. Right. So given that and given the the sense that, you know, our readers are coming to us with a, not necessarily like, you, it's not like always like we're like, oh, what I want to do is feel this particular thing. Mm-hmm. But we want to be in the hands of a, of a, an author who is going to really think about our emotions and think about those mirror neurons, right? <laughs> and take us on a ride where we get a full range of experience. So your first takeaway what then was just emotions everywhere. It's super key. Right. Okay. What would, what would you say your second takeaway was? Well, the role of emotion in causality. So, okay. so causality is really important to you know, plot story. Right. And, and that's something, um, and it's, you know, that's something I talk about for sure. And there's all sorts of tools like because of this, this happened because of this, this happened. EM Forrester, when he talks about the difference between story and plot, he says, you know, in a story, the reader asks, and then what in a plot, you know, the reader asks, uh, why, or, you know, so there's the whole sort of because of this, this, because of this, this, well, uh, even in the EM Forrester, it's the interjection of emotion that makes the difference between a plot and a story. If you remember, it was the king died. Right, right. And then the queen, and then the queen died is, right. is, is just a story, right? This happened, then this happened. Right. And then the second part of that is... The queen died, or the, the king, king died, and then the queen died of grief. Right. So it's the interjection of it's emotion. It's so interesting because what we always, what he talks about even is causality, mm-hmm. right? But you're right. The hinge that creates the causality is emotion. So that's really exciting, right? And then just to, just to wrap that up, he also says, the queen died, nobody knew why, until it was learned that it was over grief for the death of the king is a mystery. Mm, so yeah, yes. but it's, so all of it is emotion, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as you get into causality, and so and that and Pilar Alessandra in her coffee books uh, screenwriter coffee break screenwriter coffee, also um, talks about emotion and and causality specifically, like like um, this happens, and my character, my main character, feels this way about it, mm-hmm. and therefore does this, mm-hmm. and because she does this, someone else does something. And she feels this way about that. And so she does this, right? So it's like the feeling keeps popping in. And I, and I think it's easy to leave that out too. Right. Because it's, it's the water we're swimming in. <laughs> I think it's easy to leave out often because, I mean, I, I think for me, when I think about my own writing journey, mm-hmm. I think I was all emotion. I did not mm-hmm. know how to build a, a consequence to the emotion. <laughs> And at this point, I think I'm 
more balanced in how I do that, but definitely when that more intuitive place, I always sort of started with the emotion, followed the emotion, and it was like, okay, great. I was, you know, I had these wonderful, deeply moved characters who were wandering. Right. And, um... Well, and that's something, actually, that reminds me of something I I do remind my students of, because I think, uh, although, again, I I sort of have framed it in my own mind as about thinking, but, you know, often people will sort of plant a character somewhere and then have them think, muse, Mm -hmm. you know. And, 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 And I always think that's in part because we're at our own desks or, you know, God willing, in some imagined future at a cafe, and, and we're in tranquility and we're thinking. That's what writers are doing. We're sitting there thinking, right? And so then um, and so then it's easy to just have our characters sitting there thinking. So, so the action part is also, right? It's like you have to remember that when we feel something really strongly, we, we do act. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when, we're, when I'm doing, when I'm looking at outlines when I'm giving feedback, a lot of times people will hear me say this, this emotional logic, because I won't see, I won't have connected why they're going from one action to the next. And that is, that always drives me crazy. And it's, I mean, because it's, I think, very fruitful and hard though, to like, what is the emotional logic? And partly if you haven't started overtly with the emotional Mm. element, then it can be very hard to go back in and figure it out. Um, retroactively <laughs> for me, uh, uh-huh. um, sometimes it can. And I think, I think also, so I'm listening to blink by mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell. I feel like I'm like, I've discovered Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> like, wow, Malcolm Gladwell. Just a few short decades yes. after he started. <laughs> it's like, and wine. Like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, guess what? Okay. So. Malcolm Gladwell. So anyway, I'm now listening to Blink, and I'm you know I'm just a few chapters in, but it's it's about you know the the way in which like two seconds of information of of, of observed information um, gives so much more than sort of deep analysis or like tons and tons of information. In fact, you know, so he talks about the John Gottlieb, the psycho psychologist or mm-hmm. psychiatrist. Who who does all? He's the five horsemen of the apocalypse. Four four horsemen, however many should be four number yeah. of horsemen. Four, let's say, um, and how and so they they would have these tapes of married couples having conversations about things that were sort of conf- conflictual between them, mm-hmm. and then they would try to like guess if the couple was going to stay together or not fifteen years later. So. Um, but what, what happened was um, there was too much information in just watching the whole sort of chaos of the scene. So it was about really simplifying what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But when you had just a few things, what, what he calls thin slicing of a character, you could really accurately predict. And I think it's interesting that that, that particular phrase, because I always go back to Carol Wolf and her character cut. Playwright. The playwright. Wolf. Yeah. And... That the, the slicing. Well, but her character cuts are all are actually entirely about your like as as a viewer of a play or as a reader of a book. There's kind of a limit to what we can hold on to in that information, and so this kind of reinforces that idea that rather than trying to give every aspect of your character's um, demeanor and yeah. you know that that you're focusing on a couple of things to help your reader really see. And kind of clear out the uh, debris and focus on what's important for those emotional changes. So they're yes. saying, 
Well, and I, so I think that's like the one really important lesson. And then the other is if you, if you look for two seconds at a couple interacting or there's, you know, if you hear the tone of voice of a surgeon without even hearing the words, you can determine whether he's going to be sued for malpractice at some point. It's the tone. It's because it's not actually about what people do. It's about whether the patient likes the person. Like they won't. Absolutely. Right. And then um, if you see somebody's bedroom. It actually, like, like one of the things Malcolm Gladwell says, okay, if you, if you were going to hire me, if your boss, you know, you were going to hire me and your boss was like, you can take me out for lunch every week for a year and like really get to know me, or you can look at my bedroom for 15 minutes. And he's like, actually looking at my bedroom for 15 minutes would be a better choice in terms of accurately determining certain qualities, not extroversion and introversion, and maybe not one other one, like likability, but but in terms of a so, number of other key qualities. But let's bring this back to emotion. Okay. Well, so, so, so let me just say, so the, I think the other really important thing for writers is that s- small telling details, mm-hmm. experiential details, actually give human beings the full knowledge of a moment in a way that a ton of information will not. And that's why that's really the heart of like show don't tell mm-hmm. is really show, but show what matters. Right. So that's the intersection right. of those two pieces right. show what matters and you will know everything in a quick sketch as opposed to, you know, hundreds of pages or hours of, you know, explanation or getting to know someone. Right. And then we talk about like when you're introducing characters or when you're introducing a world, you know, again, you don't, Dickens had that wonderful broad way, but even he was sketching, like the human brain only holds on to like, what, five to seven pieces of information at any given point in its conscious awareness. So if you're giving me the details from the rats in the street to the person at the top, but you're taking time with every single one. It's going to be harder for me to know what's important, whereas if you do a kind of a sweeping sketch that talks about the rats in the street and compares it against the people living in the penthouse, or even the rats living in the penthouse, mm-hmm. wow, that's kind of interesting. Anyway, what does that tell you in a much more succinct and actually compelling way? Yeah, yeah. It's not just being a concise. It's being focused. Yes, <laughs> yes, what is relevant. Yeah. And, and so when we come into a room as human beings, we are primed to pick up on what's relevant mm-hmm. and to make snap judgments about it. Mm-hmm. And so as writers, we have to, and we get to create what it is the reader is going to know. Snaps to. And what matters. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, so yes, the next high point then we just said was to recap that, help your reader make snap judgments. Yes. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> because they will. Yeah. Because they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so character, so emotion and action, causality, uh, all rooted detail. in in the emotion. Yeah, that emotion is the sort of. So I'm gonna back up a little bit because we often talk about character versus plot, right? Mm, and right, which is something you're so good at integrating. So where does emotion sit? Is is emotion? Well, it probably is the you know the grace that. <laughs> between the gears right Mm -hmm. i mean emotion is so so plot pushes on the character Mm -hmm. creating emotion which push which creates action which like sent which is plot 
right? Mm-hmm. So that's the, I mean, that whole causality piece is, you know, you're not going to have emotion without character, right? And then you're not going to, and then the character is not going to really have emotion without action. Or actually isn't going to have action without emotion. Either way. So yeah. one of the things, so with the, we start the camp with a bonfire go around question, and this one was about. You know, and it was weird that everyone had to light a fire at their house this year with the <laughs> Zoom yes, meetings. Zoom fires, yes. um, little fires everywhere. Anyway, so so the question was um, the prompt was take a moment of heightened emotion in your life, and then mm. give us like two or three details from that moment, mm-hmm. and. Um, but what was true of every moment that people picked and people picked such a range of, you know, positive to negative emotion and all of that, like terror and joy and, you know, all of these, but, um, all of the moments, um, had action. Mm -hmm. None of it was like, I just was sitting there, uh, nothing changed. I was, you know, overcome by an emotion and it's not that one can't imagine that happening, right? That Mm -hmm. like a memory triggering, triggering an emotion or whatever, um, you know, but, um, and even like, you know, something like a sunset or whatever, even in that kind of situation in any, in all the stories people elected to tell, you know, if, even if it was some incredible view or whatever, um, I'm not sure there was one, but you know, it was, it was, it was the hiking the mountain, right. To get to the view. It was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so there's, so anyway, so there's just, um, emotion is story. Heightened emotion is story, and it's moments of of actual action and event that really we we recall when we go to the big emotional moments of our lives. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so just it's how incredible and central it is, um, and how and and then and then how do we write from there, right? And I think that's also what's hard about writing. Annie Dillard has this thing about you know how on an ordinary day mm-hmm. do we do we kind of reach into these depths and go there, really go there Mm -hmm. um, as we absolutely will when we're in the grip of some event, some action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about emotion and dialogue. And so Mm. for those of us who've been watching WandaVision, (laughs) uh, one of the lines when Wanda and Vision are trying to, she's grieving her brother. They go back in time. Spoiler! <laughs> they go back in time, and um, Vision and Wanda are getting to know each other, really. And they're mm. still kind of having this little interaction. She's grieving Pietro. And talking about grief, and he says, you know, what is grief but love persevering? Mm. And all these people on the internet are like, oh my God, give that person whoever wrote that an Emmy, right? <laughs> And I think that that's, you know, it, emotion shows up everywhere. Here's something else I want to say, though. That this is maybe the final emotion lesson uh, because we have to go wake up Leo. Um, <laughs> but um, so one of the things we looked at was when emotion breaks through, right? So there's like mm-hmm. emotion that triggers a story. There's struggling and dilemma and all these different things. But when does emotion break through and the subtext become the text? And that that is actually hard earned. That mm-hmm. that if we're sort of spouting off, you know, our emotional blah blah, you know, in in fact, that becomes we we then suspect there's a subtext underneath 
that, right? If we're sort mm-hmm. of saying our authentic truth or whatever, we're like looking for what's the real subtext there. So what? So it's like hard earned when we're pushed to where these really big breakthroughs happen. And we were looking at Jessamine Ward's intense essay about losing her husband to mm-hmm. COVID. And, 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 then in the, and then in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement, we were looking at Grace Paley's wonderful little short story, Wants. But where are those moments where finally what they really have to say kind of explodes through the surface events of the story. And, um, and just that that is harder, that it doesn't happen all the time. So when we're talking about emotion being key to story, it doesn't mean that the characters are going, I am sad or even knowing. And yet, as we talk about emotion, the last little piece and I, is really the sentimentality. There's a deep fear of sentimentality. And yes. I think that sentimentality is not the same as emotion. No. And so when we, people are like, I don't want to appear sentimental, they're confusing, I think. Earned emotional response and exactly what you're talking about. Like when there is a, an overstatement of emotion that is, I expect that what's on the surface is what's underneath. That there's no contradiction between what someone's presenting and what they're um, actually experiencing, right? So we talk about that power right, of right. fighting tears versus you know, sobbing. sobbing. Or the moment when the fight is lost right. to that, right? Right. So you see that person struggling admirably against like that tide of grief and losing. Yeah. Like that's a powerful moment, but and, it isn't. And I think when it comes out, it still comes out in unbelievable specificity. And I think that's mm-hmm. the other thing that runs counter to sentimentality, but could be enormously emotional is it's going to come out in the terms of what the character cares about and what's the objects of that world that are very specific and quirky mm-hmm. even. Well, I feel like we could talk on and on given, given the. That we're swimming in emotion. Yes. Um, and so, instead, instead we're going to move on to steal this. It is time for steal this. It is amateur poets borrow, professional poets steal. What have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you would like to take and make your own? Why don't you start? Because you've been like digging Malcolm been, Gladwell. Oh, I know what I want to take. So, so Shoba Rao came and did our master class. She wrote mm. "Girls Burn Brighter," and she's just wonderful. And um. And she quoted somebody, and I don't remember who, but I'll see if I can dig it up for the show notes. If not, you know, Google it. Um, So this isn't hers, but she passed it on, and I loved it, which is, she said, take the first, any first line, and then you add, and that is when the murders began. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and And that that was when the murders began. And you just take your own, like, go to your book and take your own first line. (laughs) And so what does that do? Well, she was talking about plot, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it was just, maybe it was just this like wonderfully humorous kind of reminder of the ways in which trouble in action is really what gets us, Mm -hmm. right? And that it can combine beautifully with, you know, some exquisite opening image or whatever. Uh But it just was like the, to me, it was the energy of... You know, okay, there's the beautiful line, there's the character, you know, call me Ishmael, whatever. And that is when the murders began. Just the way in which you suddenly sit up and you're like, there's a story. And that happened in camp with the emotional stuff. When people told those stories, they weren't like, let me tell you, I was washing the dishes and this 
feeling came over me and let me paint it for like minutes and minutes and minutes. I think though <laughs> the other piece and we'll we, we do need to wrap up, but I do think that there's something for the fact that people enjoy some of the off pista language, you but, know, all all of this stuff. So I think that part of what happens and I think there's this misunderstanding about what makes something literary. Mm-hmm. Right? Because sometimes it seems like here's this masterful book and you're like, wow, this is, for example, a story about a woman going to buy flowers. <laughs> right? And that's just like... But, 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 <laughs> let's face it. It's it's a woman in the aftermath of two things. A world war uh-huh. and a pandemic. And actually I read somebody was, t- I don't know where it was, but somebody was talking about how in fact she's been ill. And mm. in the book, if you read it, you realize she's been ill and she's she's recovering, and if you if you you know it's it's not explicitly stated, but she had the flu, mm-hmm. and um and so and then it's all about life and death and and PTSD, right? But what I'm saying is is I think there is a confusion about what makes something literary. So maybe we can talk about mm. that on a different podcast. <laughs> uh, but I think that's why that tendency to explore the dishes uh-huh. is there. Because they don't. Un- there isn't a clarity about what's underneath the dishes. Right. Well, and I think, right, the powerful use of... At our house <laughs> tends to be like a gob of pasta and so... <laughs> but, also, but also that... Um, so when a writer has a character seeming to be sort of drifting along, lost in thought, doing an ordinary action, it is actually the beat before, and that is when the murders began. You know, mm. and maybe not on, maybe it's Again, not that no, but genre, but yeah. Let's talk about what makes something literary on a different podcast. Okay, all right, different podcast. With that, we've already said... Professional poets bar. Uh, yeah. So I said my thing. I'm stealing, and that is when the murders began as oh, a way right, to okay. ju- jumpstart a story I'm, for fun. I'm doing contexts. So um, what I want to steal this week, and I'm going to actually work on this week, is creating a one place in the house where I do certain kinds of work. Mm-hmm. So we've I've been trying to like make. It is really hard. I can't imagine like we're in a house with doors that close between our rooms. But you and I share a room, you know, we have the, so like, I can't imagine like with people who are living in much smaller quarters, right? right? Like the challenge of finding that space. But what I'm trying to do this week is say, okay, I've set aside a space in our shared room to work. And in that space, I'm, I want to try to initiate those cues. This is the place I do this kind of work. And just see how it goes. <laughs> God, because there's got to be something. <laughs> Hang in there, folks. Keep experimenting. Keep feeling. And keep writing. <laughs>